Thank you. You can be seated. And I'd like for you to take the Word of God, please, and turn to the Old Testament book of Numbers. The Old Testament book of Numbers. And as you make your way to the book of Numbers, just a few announcements to remind you of. From the back of our bulletins, the married couples get away in, at the Passage Northwest in Heron, Montana on Saturday, February the 13th. $40 a couple. That covers your dinner, your materials for that evening. And if I could please know if you're interested in going, there's a sign-up list at the check-in table, and we need to report that number by tomorrow. Uh, Sunday, February the 14th, I love my church Sunday, and we'll do the Lord's Supper on that Sunday evening. For those of you uh, who did not know, we have our overflow auditorium. It's open now, and we're working this week to have a second overflow that will be open in case we fill up the auditorium, we fill up the overflow. Uh, we're expecting God to do great things, and uh, hopefully we'll be able to fill up that second overflow at the end of the building. And uh, we're doing simulcasting. Isn't that fancy? Uh, who'd have thought? Um, it's, it's bad enough that I get heard once, and now you can go back and hear me again. And, and so we're going to be doing that. Uh, there is a bit of a delay, so if that distracts you, I'm sorry if it does. Uh, the group out there gets it about a split second after you get it in here. So uh, how we'll work this is if it's your turn to be in the auditorium, based on the age groups, then you'll be in the auditorium. Then otherwise we'll have the overflow seating open. And if it looks like the auditorium is not full and you'd like to move into the auditorium seating, then that's fine. As long as we maintain the social distancing that we're required to right now, that, that will work out fine. And then also be praying, if you will, for... The capital connection. Uh, I'm endeavoring to go back to Olympia if they'll let me and uh, pray with uh, Mike Padden, with our representatives, uh, Rob Chase and Bob McCaslin, and uh, to present something to them, encourage them uh, as they uh, do uh, the work of legislation in our state's capital. And so that's on February the 23rd. Please pray for that, uh, that God would give me uh, an open door there. Uh, it just amazes me that when I pray that way, the places I've been able to preach the gospel. I preached the gospel at the state capitol in Olympia one time. I was able to preach the gospel. I was invited to do it. And as I addressed the Republican caucus and was given the floor by uh, the caucus chair, and I said, how much time do I have? And he said, as much as you want. So I, I took about 20 minutes and shared the gospel. I was uh, at, a, at the courtroom in, uh, in Spokane, a courtroom in Spokane, I was invited by the judge to share something from the Word of God. And so I, I shared some of the gospel and uh, some encouragement to our representatives from the Word of God. He emailed me later, the judge emailed me later and said, you took that uh, swearing-in ceremony to a, another better level. And I'm so glad that we've been able to have influence with the gospel in so many interesting places. I could tell you stories sometimes. I've preached in a mosque in Lemon Grove, California, was invited to preach and preach to 300 Muslims the gospel, how that they could be saved and trust in Christ as their only hope of relationship with God and hold his presence for eternity. I gave an invitation. People responded in a mosque to an invitation. You know, you can't take the gospel to the wrong person. And I'm so grateful for that. We'll be praying for these opportunities. Will you? And it's not only me. You can take the gospel too. You know the gospel. Share your witness how, how you came to faith in Christ and how that somebody else can uh, do that as well. And uh, just, it's a wonderful thing. 
All right, so those announcements being out of the way, Numbers, the book of Numbers, chapter number 13, verse number 31. I just want to read this verse and then we'll go back and we'll talk about what's going on, the setting here in Numbers chapter 13 and verse number 31. The word of God says, But the men that went up with him said, We be not able to go up against the people, for they are stronger than we. Let me read it again, Numbers 13, 31. But the man that went up with him said, We be not able to go up against the people, for they are stronger than we. The gracious Heavenly Father, I pray that you'd help me now. I pray that you'd quiet my soul and enable me to effectively communicate these things which you've placed upon my heart. Lord, I pray that you would bring these that hear the message around to the same conclusion that you've brought me to through the study of it. And we thank you, we praise you, we ask your blessing in Jesus' name. Amen. In our text, the nation of Israel had reached the border of the promised land. And so this chapter includes four things, the cause of their sending the spies, the conduct of the spies, the corroboration of the facts that brought the spies back, and a conflict of the interpretation of those facts. So those four C's for you, the cause, the conduct, the corroboration, and the conflict. If you're taking notes, I know some of you like to take notes, and so I try to alliterate that and make it easy for us. But notice, if you will, first of all, the cause of sending the spies. Look at verses 1 through 3 of chapter 13 of the book of Numbers. And the Lord spake unto Moses, saying, Send thou men that they may search the land of Canaan, which I give unto the children of Israel of every tribe of their fathers shall ye send a man, every one a ruler among them. And Moses, by the commandment of the Lord, sent them from the wilderness of Paran. All those men were heads of the children of Israel. Now, if we were just to read this and not compare Scripture with Scripture, by the way, the best commentary on the Bible is the Bible, we might get the idea that sending the spies was God's idea, but it wasn't. It wasn't. We know this from reading another portion of Scripture. If you'd like to make your way over to the book of Deuteronomy, another Old Testament book, the book of Deuteronomy, we're going to find that although we get the impression that sending the spies may have been God's idea, we find that he was just responding to their request. He was just responding to their request. In the book of Deuteronomy, in chapter 1, maybe I should make my way over there so I can read it to you. Deuteronomy chapter 1 in verses 20 and 21, or 20 through 22, we're going to see that sending the spies was not God's idea, but it was permitted by God. Verse number 20 says, And I said unto you, You are coming to the mountain of the Amorites, which the Lord our God doth give unto us. Behold, the Lord thy God hath set the land before thee. Go up and possess it, as the Lord God of thy fathers hath said unto thee, Fear not, neither be discouraged. And ye came near unto me, every one of you, and said, we will send men before us, and they shall search us out the land and bring us word again by what way we must go up and into what cities we shall come. So whose idea was it? It was their idea. They brought that request to God. Uh, God was responding to their request. It wasn't his idea. You know why this, what first occurred to me about this is in the book of Numbers when it says that, that God said, I sent you, I sent these spies. I thought to myself, wait a minute, God's omniscient. He already knew what was in the land. Here, 
He had already called it a land flowing with milk and honey. Uh, he knew who was there. He knew that the, the cities had walls that were still standing and that were great walls that had to be overcome. He knew that all the difficulties and the problems were still there. So why did, would it have been God's idea that he would send spies? And then I discovered this other passage of scripture, which has been there for 2,000 years. And I realized it wasn't God's idea at all. It was their idea. God already knew what was in the land. And so the people in our text, they came to a place where they weren't trusting God. Did you see, you know that? And so here's, here's the wonderful thing. God understands our humanity, and he wasn't necessarily opposed to the idea. If we want to uh, look again at Deuteronomy chapter 1 and verse number 22, uh, we'll see that the Lord said, well, the same pleased me well. Look at verse number 22, if you will, please. Chapter 1, once I get there. It says in, in, uh, in saying, verse 23, And the saying pleased me well, and I took 12 men of you, one of a tribe. And so God wasn't opposed to it. And matter of fact, here's what I think God had in mind. They said, now Lord, we want to send in spies to see what way, what way we should go up and, and go into the land. And uh, God looked at that. Of course, God being omniscient knew what all the outcome of this was going to be. Wasn't opposed to it whatsoever. And, um, and so uh, he went ahead and let the children of Israel send in these spies. Here's the problem. Here's the problem. They didn't follow through on what they said they were going to do. Now, why is it that they said they wanted to send the spies? To see what way they would enter the land. Isn't that what the word of God said? Mm -hmm. In that God said, you came to me and you said, we're going to send men to see by what way we were going to enter the land. Here's what really happened, if you know the story. If you know the story, what really happened is that the nation of Israel sent the spies not to see what way they would enter in, but to see whether they were going to go or not. That's the problem. The problem, God had no problem, had no opposition to them sending spies to see and make a strategy and make a plan and, and set in order some idea how to enter into the land. God had no problem with that, but the problem came when they lacked in their belief of God and didn't take God at his word. And instead of sending men to go see what way they should enter into the land, they sent men into the land to see, see whether that they were going to go in or not. That's the problem. And that's usually what happens when we begin to make bargains with God. Do you know that? God always gets the short end of the stick. But God permitted them to send spies. And this wasn't the first time that God gave people what they, the people what they asked for. Look at Numbers chapter 11, if you will. We'll see another time when God gave the people what they wanted. The Bible says in Numbers 11, verse number 4, the mixed multitude that was among them fell of lusting. And we learned in Sunday school that we don't ever lust after something we didn't want in the first place. And it says, And the children of Israel also wept, here's a key word again, this wasn't the first time, and said, Who shall give us flesh to eat? God's brought us out here and we're in the wilderness and we're going to die. And all we have to eat is this white bread. This amazing thing that we don't even know what to call it, so we call it manna. What is it? That's what it means. What is it? 
And he gave us this amazing superfood. And it meets all of our nutritional needs and, and it fills us up and it's there every day. And, and on the Sabbath, the day before the Sabbath, we take up twice as much so we don't have to work on the Sabbath day. And, and, and we're tired of this light bread. And I'm, this isn't in the King James translation. I'm just, you know, using artistic license. Is that what they call it? We remember the fish which we did eat in Egypt freely, verse number five, the cucumbers, all oh, the cucumbers, and the melons, and the leeks, and the onions, and the garlic. But now our soul is dried away. There's nothing at all beside this manna before our eyes. Oh, what a terrible thing, isn't it? And so we go on to verse number seven. And the manna was as coriander seed, and the color of, there was as the color of bedellum. The people went about and gathered it and ground it in mills or beat it in mortar and baked it in pans and made it cakes of it. The taste of it was like the taste of fresh oil. When the dew fell upon the camp in the night, the man, manna fell upon it. And then Moses heard the people weep through their, their families. Every man in the door of his tent, the anger of the Lord was kindled greatly. Moses was also displeased. I'm trying to look at the verses here that I was going, I wasn't going to read the whole thing. I was going to separate them out. Look at verse number 16. And the Lord said unto Moses, Gather unto me seventy men of the elders of Israel, whom thou knowest to be the elders of the people, the officers over them, and bring them unto the tabernacle of the congregation, that they may stand there with thee. And I'll come down and talk with thee uh, there. And I'll take of the spirit which is upon thee and put it upon them. They shall bear the burden of the people with thee, that thou bear it not thyself alone. And thou... And say thou unto the people, sanctify yourself against tomorrow, and ye shall eat flesh. You see, God heard their, their complaint. He said, you want flesh? I want to give you flesh, verse number 18. For you have wept in the ears of the Lord, saying, who shall give us flesh to eat? For it was well with us in Egypt. Therefore the Lord will give you flesh, and ye shall eat. Ye shall not eat one day, nor two days, nor five days, nor ten days, nor twenty days, but even a whole month until it come out at your nostrils. You want flesh? You're going to eat that stuff till it's coming out of your nose. When the first time that God gave the people what they wanted. And in Numbers chapter 13, it shows us that God gave them the spies. And God commissioned the spies. And in uh, verses 17 through 20 of chapter 13 of Numbers, it says there, and Moses sent them to spy out the land of Canaan. Of course, we, we can see their names in verses 4 through six, uh, 16. And said unto them, get you up this way southward and go up to the mountains, see the land, what it is, and the people that dwelleth therein, whether they be strong or weak or few or many, and what the land is that they dwell in, whether it be good or bad, and what cities they be that they dwell in, whether in tents or in strongholds, and what the land is, whether it be fat or lean, whether... There be wood therein or not, and be of good courage and bring out the fruit, bring out the fruit of the land. Now the time, uh, the time was the time of the first ripe grapes. And so we are told that the spies are told where to go, what to do. God went ahead and said, fine, that sounds like a plan. Let's, and allowed them to send the spies. He gave them some order for it. They're given their commission. They know what they're supposed to do. And so now they go in. So now they go in. So we see, first of all, that... Uh, that send, the cause of the sending of the spies. Number two, notice the conduct of the spies. Look at verses 21 through 25. 
In verse 21, so they went up and searched the land from the wilderness of Zen to Rehob. His men come to Hamath, and they ascended by the south, came to Hebron, where Ahimah, easy for you to say, and Tamiah, the son of uh, the children of Anak, were. Now Hebron was built seven years before Zion in Egypt. And they came into the brook of uh, Eskol, cut down from thence a branch with one cluster of grapes, and they bear it between two upon a staff, and they brought of some pomegranates of the figs. The place was called Brook of Eskol because of the cluster of grapes which the children of Israel cut down from thence. And they turned from searching of the land after 40 days. It took 40 days. You see that? So we see the conduct of the spies. They did a thorough job. They searched the land 40 days. Uh, that city that's mentioned, Hamath, it's way up in the extreme north of the land. And they just scoured the whole land. And they took all the details that Moses had given them of what to look for and, and the cities and the people and the land itself. And, and so they scoured the land. They did a thorough job. We're told all the places they went, what they saw. They came back just as they were told. They came back with samples of fruit to show what a wonderful land that it was. They had to bear it up between two of them, like one cluster of grapes. It's quite an amazing thing. And so we see the, the case, the cause of the sending of the spies. We see the conduct of the spies. Now let's look at this. There are certain facts that were given. And the facts here we find in verses 26 and verse number 27 where it says, And they went and came to Moses and to Aaron and to all the congregation of the children of Israel and to the wilderness of Paran to Kadesh and brought back word unto them and unto all the congregation and showed them the fruit of the land. And they told him and said, We came unto the land whither thou sentest us and surely it floweth with milk and honey and this is the fruit of it. Nevertheless, the people be strong that dwell in the land and the cities are walled and very great and Moreover, we saw the children of Anak there. The Amalekites dwell in the land of the south, and the Hittites and the Jebusites and the Amorites dwell in the mountains, and the Canaanites dwell by the sea and by the coast Jordan. And so they give this report of the facts. All, all what they said was true. They were a, a mighty people. They, the land was great. The cities were walled. And so they, uh, they confirmed all these facts they had been told. Matter of fact, they confirmed that God was accurate when he said that it was a land flowing with milk and honey. There again, we see that God is always before. God is always before. And God knew it was a land flowing with milk and honey, but because of their unbelief, because of their unbelief, they had to go see it for themselves. Now, let me ask you this. When somebody has to see something to believe it, is that walking by faith or is that walking by sight? Without faith, it's impossible to please God. See, the world says, I've got to see it to believe it, don't they? God's people say, I've got to believe it to see it. That's what God's people say. That's what the psalmist said. He said, I had fainted, except I had believed to see the goodness of the Lord. Do you know that? It's an important thing. So, I think it's interesting what they, the report they bring back. It proves that God already knew what and who was in the land. It's a wonderful thing, I think, when discoveries are made that corroborate, that corroborate what God's Word already says. I, I, it makes me excited when science finally catches up with the Bible. <laughs> you know, it's funny, when I was preparing for this, I read in the news, and you may have seen this as well, there's been a new species of whale that was discovered, washed up in the Florida Everglades in 2019, and they've been trying to figure out 
for I guess what two years now I think it was January 2019 they've been trying to figure out for two years what kind of whale it was it wasn't that badly decayed but they couldn't figure out what species this whale was and so they discovered that there's a new species of whale that inhabits the Gulf of Mexico well can I tell you this God knew that and you know what they turned around and did? They already made it on the endangered species list. And they don't even know how many there are. <laughs> they didn't even know the thing existed until, until just recently when they've done the testing and found out, well, this isn't well, this kind of whale. It's not that kind of whale. It's some kind of new species of whale. And we've discovered a new species of whale. My friend God already knew about that whale. And all the others like it. And by the way, only he knows if they're in danger or not. Isn't that funny? And all that these spies did, really, when you look at it, is they corroborated the facts that God already knew about. It's a wonderful thing. Now, I'd like to show you something here. Because this is what happens to us today. And it happens everywhere. It happens to everybody. We have the facts right in front of us. Everybody has the same set of facts, but we all have different interpretation. And that's where the problem came in. That's where the problem came in. There's the misinterpretation of the facts that they brought back from the promised land. All of these things were true. They were great people. They had great walled cities. The land was great. It was a land flowing with milk and funny, uh, milk and funny. <laughs> I don't know about that, but it's land flowing with milk and honey. All the facts that despised less Joshua and Caleb presented were true. There were giants in the land. The cities were walled and great. And when when we're afraid and refuse to take God at His word, here's what happens: when we misinterpret the facts that are right in front of us, we misinterpret. And, and we refuse to take God as word, what ends up happening is those facts get magnified. Our interpretation of the facts get magnified, and it gets much worse than it really is. They become bigger than they really are. There were giants in the land, but here's the problem. The men reported them bigger than they actually were. <laughs> they, they looked bigger because these men were unbelieving. Unspiritual people will take a small problem and they'll magnify it and make it bigger. All these people, they're huge, work as grasshoppers in their sight. Now, come on. That's a bit of an exaggeration. I mean, there were big people. There were giants. There were giants in the land. They, their cities were walled and great, but you were not in comparison. Your scale is a little bit off. <laughs> we did not appear to be as grasshoppers in their sight. And so unspiritual people will do that. They'll take, a, they'll take a scientific fact and they'll blow it way out of proportion. Sound familiar? And strike fear in the hearts of the population and cause people to operate under fear and unbelief. Of course, it's their own choice, but it, it contributes to it. Now, what did they leave out of their report? You know what they left out of the report? They left God out. Another proof 
But our view of God determines how we view everything else. Those men look big because their view of God was small. They forgot that God alone is a majority. If they had only left God in it, what a different report would have been made, right? So we see the misinterpretation. Now let's look at a correct interpretation. Verse number 30, And Caleb stilled the people before Moses and said, Let us go up at once and possess it, for we are well able to overcome it. You know, only Joshua agreed with Caleb. The others refuted him. So now we have the whole picture and a conflict. There wasn't a conflict of facts. I want you to understand that. There was no conflict of facts. It was a conflict of the interpretation of the facts. Now I want to take a moment to just encourage you as, as we encounter people that view facts, view the facts differently than we do, that doesn't mean that those people are stupid or uneducated or ignorant. It just means that they're misinterpreting the facts. And as we in, interpret the facts that we come across in this world, and we look at those facts with a proper view of God, those facts are going to take on an entirely different, uh, entirely different form than those who have a small view of God or no view of God whatsoever. The facts are the same. It's not a conflict of facts. It's only a conflict in the interpretation of the facts. Uh, here's one report. Let's take God as his word, go in and take the land. That was one report. And the other report said, here it is, the title of the message, We Be Not Able. We Be Not Able. Here's the sad thing. The people decided to listen to that report. They decided to listen. They chose to listen to the naysayers. You know what that tells me? Their view of God was small as well. And they chose to listen to that simple report. Well, we're not able. We can't do it. They didn't believe what God had said. They wouldn't take God at his word. Knowing what God has said and not doing it is discouraging. And it reinforces the devil's lie that God cannot, that it does not make a difference whether we obey him or not. Over time, that will cause a person to become unbelieving or apathetic toward God. It eventually may lead to the person doubting the very existence of God. And so we see there, we see there this conflict of interpretation. And then the calamitous conclusion we find in the book of Numbers, verse uh, chapter 14. We don't have time to read all of it this morning, but that's where we're going to find the calamitous conclusion. Israel had come to a place of decision. Are we going to believe the ten or the two? Really, what the decision was was not a choice of believing a group of ten men or a group of two men, but are we going to believe God or not? Because what had God said? Go in. Take it. Possess the land. So they had come to a place of decision. They had to decide whether they were going to take God at his word or not. And sadly, we find the nation of Israel refusing to enter. 
Numbers 14 and verse 4 says, and they said one to another, let us make a captain and let us return into Egypt. You went to Sunday school, you know all that they had already seen God do in their lives, don't you? I mean, these people had walked through the Red Sea on dry ground. They had witnessed the plagues in Egypt. They had seen all of this. They had been fed by a miracle superfood called manna. Already. When they were thirsty, God gave them water out of great depths. And yet they get to the border of the promised land. And they don't do what they said they were going to do. And instead of looking for a way in to make a plan, to make a strategy, what they really did is they sent spies in to see whether or not they were going to take God in his word. They said one to another, let us make a captain and return into Egypt. They wanted to go back. We'd rather be in slavery. We'd rather be in bondage. That, that toll of burden that was laid upon us, when Pharaoh even took away our provender, our straw, to make the bricks and the brick kiln with, and then made us grow our own, uh, grow our own grass and harvest our own grass and do all that work in addition to what we were already doing, we want to go back. We'd rather be under our taskmasters. We'd rather be in bondage. And so many people, when it comes to believing what God has said and taking God at his word, they do the same exact thing. They look at the situation and they, they, they have such a small view of God. They say, I, we, I just can't do it. We can't do it. And so they go back. They go back to Egypt. They go back to the world. How many people have we seen do that? have been a faithful members of the church and now they've just gone back to Egypt. Back to doing the things that they used to do because somewhere along the line, their view of God got diminished. It probably got marginalized to begin with. Then it got maligned. Then it got diminished altogether. And pretty soon, they're, they're not taking God at His word any longer. And they're wanting to go back to Egypt. And they're not sitting in a local assembly today worshiping with God's people. They're sitting at home figuring out what it is they're going to have for lunch. You're going to do that? May as well sit in church and do that, you know? I'm joking. Well, you don't think about lunch in church? I do. <laughs> I guess I'm worse than you. <laughs> That's hard to believe, isn't it? I could be preaching the Word of God and be thinking about the roast that's in the crock pot at home. Jeez. Not really thinking about it. <laughs> I'm only human. You see what I'm saying? What a wonderful lesson we have here. So what is the message in, in, in this for us today? Well, here are just a few things. Are we taking God at his word or are we being hindered by unbelief? You know, just like the children of Israel, there's going to come a time in our lives when, when we need to we need to commit. I mean, there they are. They were at the point of decision. And here's the decision. Am I going to commit to doing what God has said that we can do? Am I going to, am I going to commit to taking God at his word? Or am I going to go back to Egypt? 
And every one of us, in a way, is going to do that today. We're going, I don't know what it is that you're facing today exactly. I, I know, you know, what's going on in some people's lives. I know the hardships that we face. I, I know the hardships that we all face, the, the common things that we all share. I understand that. But as we come to this moment in time, really, we're, we're left with a decision to make at the invitation, and that is, am I going to take God at his word, or am I just going to go back to Egypt as I leave the doors of this church? Am I just going to go back to what I what's familiar? Am I going to go back to what I can see? Am I going to go back to what uh, to what I can what I can do without faith? That's the decision we're faced with, every one of us. There comes a time when we must commit to taking God in His Word and leaving the results with Him. So let us pray, God. As this invitation is given, I I, I would be praying, Lord, is there any area of my life where I'm not taking You at Your Word? Am I in any way? Walking in unbelief. Am I, am I standing at the doorstep of, of your promises and am I looking at that and am I believing the majority report that says you can't do it that way? Even though it's in opposition to your word. Wednesday night I gave a hard message. If you listen to it, you know what I'm talking about. It's as hard for me to deliver that message as I know it was for, for you to receive it. It was a hard message. I've heard a lot of good feedback from that. I thought, oh boy, Lord, are you sure? I thought, I'm going to really hear it for this one, Lord. But you know, I haven't. I've heard nothing but positive things of people saying, you know, Pastor, that was right on. It was in regard to being about the work and labor of the church about evangelism and discipleship. And, and I'll tell you, sometimes it's easy to look at the circumstances going on around us and say, we can't lead people to the Lord right now because of the social distancing. We can't disciple people because of the, of the, the current things that we live in and under. We be not able. The church can't grow right now. I think we need to look at that. And other things too. And ask the Lord during invitation time, am I in any way walking in unbelief? Am I looking at what can't be done or am I looking at what you can do, God? Our view of God determines how we view everything else. Have you taken God at his word concerning, first of all, the person of Christ? Do you know about who Jesus is? God came to this earth in a man's body. God. And in that man's body, he lived a sinless life. He went to the cross, shed his blood, died and was buried. And three days later, in that man's body, he resurrected from the dead. Walked around on this earth for 40 days in that human body. And then he ascended in that human body to be seated at the right hand of the throne of God, where he intercedes on behalf of all men, boys, girls, women, everybody, everywhere, right now, this very moment. Jesus is God in the flesh. It is impossible to be a Christian apart from that belief. Did you know that? Apart from believing that Jesus is God, it is impossible to be a Christian. Have you taken God at his word concerning that? About who he is. How about the finished work of Christ? Do you believe that God's payment by his shed blood, his death, burial, and resurrection was sufficient to satisfy the wrath of God? 
or do you think that you still need to work your way into it, up for it, or out for it? No, it's enough. All that's left for us to do is to, to take God at his word and receive the payment that Christ has already made for us. Christ became sin for us. Who knew no sin? That we might be made the righteousness of God in him. And so have you taken God at his word about the finished work of Christ, what, what Jesus has accomplished? Have you taken God at his word concerning the Lord Jesus Christ as your only hope of a relationship with God? Or are you going to take God at his word if you're listening, watching, or here with us today? Will you take God at his word concerning that? Now, there's a good chance many of you already have. And I thank the Lord for that. You may have already taken God at his word concerning the person and work of the Lord Jesus. You may have already trusted in him alone as your only hope of a relationship with God. That's wonderful. But perhaps just now, during the time that we've been speaking, God has revealed to you an area of unbelief. Something that's robbing you of your peace. Unbelief is a wicked sin. Mm -hmm. You know fear is sin? It is. But the fearful, the Bible says in Revelation 21.8, and unbelieving, the first two sins listed, the fearful and the unbelieving and the abominable and murderers and whoremongers and sorcerers and idolaters and all liars shall have their part in the lake which burns with fire and brimstone, which is the second death. Unbelief is the one sin that will condemn somebody for eternity separated from God. Unbelief is wicked. Oh, this, we look at this story and I don't think we weigh it like God weighs it. The wicked unbelief of the children of Israel. And, and the fact is we, we face those things as believers frequently. Where we come up against something and we look at a situation and we just arrive at the simple conclusion, even sometimes after a thorough investigation of it all, and say, I know what God's word says, but we can't do it. Let me just give you a few examples, man. We'll close. I know what God's word says about church membership. But we be not able. I know what God's word says about baptism. We be not able. I know what God's word says about giving the tithe. And I'm not harping on this, please. We don't even pass the offering plate here. We just let people give as the Lord leads them. And by the way, it's worked very well to liberate people to give like God wants them to give. We set a box out and somehow the bills get paid. You know? Well, a lot of people look at it and they'll say, we can't do that. We can't afford to do that. My friend, you can't afford not to take God to his word. I know what God's word says about being a faithful witness, but it's just too hard now. We be not able. said a few minutes ago, sometimes when we run up against these things, we need to look at it. We just need to take God at his word and leave the results with him. You know? Will you take God at his word? Will you commit to doing that today? <clears throat> I give you that invitation, that opportunity. Claudia is going to come play song number 513.